Amen? Amen. Get your Bibles out with me. We're going to jump into part two of a series that we've been in called Seven. And we've been talking about the words that Jesus spoke from the cross. Last words um, are significant. In fact, I was looking at some online this week. Uh, I think oftentimes last words can be telling of where people's heart is and what matters most to them. I read the last words of P.T. Barnum, of Barnum and Bailey's Circus. His last words were this. How were the receipts today at Madison Square Garden? Can you imagine that being the focus of your life as you step into eternity? I, I read a, a statement from Ethel Barrymore. She was an actress. She said, is everyone happy? I want everybody to be happy. I know I'm happy. Last words. Last words. I read the last words of Ludwig von Beethoven. He said, friends applaud. The comedy is finished. (laughs) Last words. When we look at Jesus... On the cross, there are seven statements that he made during those six grueling hours of anguish. And I believe those words tell a powerful story about the things that were near and dear to his heart. Last week on Easter Sunday, we looked at the first two statements that he made as he looked down at those uh, soldiers that were crucifying him. And from there, outward towards us, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. A word of forgiveness. And then... A little while later, after hearing the heart cry of a man who's about to step into eternity, Jesus looks to the thief hanging on the cross and he says, truly this day you will be with me in paradise. A word of salvation right there in his final moments on the cross. And today I want us to look at the third word that Jesus spoke from the cross. It's in John chapter 19. And this is a word of love. I want you to lean in with your heart today to what the Spirit has put in my heart as we look at this text. It's only two verses long, and a simple word, but I believe it'll speak powerfully to us today if we'll, if we'll listen with all of our hearts. John chapter 19, verse 26 and 27. The scene is the same. Jesus is on the cross. And the Bible says that in that moment, when Jesus saw his mother there, and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her Into his home. I want to talk about. The first verse that we just read. It says that Jesus saw. His mother. And that statement ought to communicate something. Powerful to us today. And it's simply this. That Jesus. Takes family responsibility. Very seriously. I said he takes it. Very seriously. Even when he's dying on the cross. With the focused mission of saving the world from sin. Even in that moment. He doesn't overlook the reality that he is a son. And that he has a mother. 
and he sees his mother. You know, the Bible talks about how important it is, this relationship within families. In fact, Paul wrote in his letter to Timothy an explanation of what it actually means to lead the church. Timothy was a a young pastor, and so in his first letter to him, he begins to describe what it looks like to be a leader in the church. And he gives qualifications for those that would desire to lead the church. And in 1 Timothy chapter 3, this is what Paul says about deacons and overseers. The people that want to lead the church. He said in 1 Timothy chapter 3, in verse 4, Talking about deacons and overseers, he said he must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him. And he must do so in a manner that is worthy of full respect. Now look at verse 5. He said, if anyone does not know how to manage his own family well, then he, how can he take care of God's church? I'm talking about how important family is to Jesus. I want you to see this. This verse is highlighted in my Bible. You can leave verse 5 up there. If, if anyone does not know how to manage his own family well, how can he take care of God's church? Now that's not highlighted for all of our deacons and overseers. That's highlighted for me. That's a highlighted reminder so that every time I see that page, I'm reminded of how important it is. Listen, I made up my mind a long time ago that my ambition is to be famous in my own home. Listen, I don't care about popular opinion. If you want to impress other people, you can impress other people. Just go out and drive a car you can't afford. Spend money you don't have to spend. Crop and filter all your photos for just the right angle. You can impress people if you want to impress people. But I've decided a long time ago, my ambition is that I would be admired most by those who know me best. I want to be famous in my own home. And that's just, you know what that is? That's character. That's integrity. That's being the person that you set out to be when nobody's looking. Or when just your spouse is looking. Or when just your kids are looking. And that's what Paul is talking about when he said, look, if you can't manage your own home well, then how are you going to take care of the church of Jesus Christ? In this same letter, two chapters over, chapter 5. Again, Paul is telling Timothy, this is how we do the church. This is what it looks like to be a leader in the church. He gives Timothy advice on how we should take care of the widows in the church. And here's what he says to him in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 3. He says, give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and their grandparents. For this is pleasing to God. You catch the weight of that statement. Paul is saying, first of all, in other words, this is where true religion starts. You take care of your own family. I'm talking about how important family is to Jesus. He said, first of all, you take care of your own family. And unless you think he was speaking this lightly, look a couple verses down in the same 
conversation. In verse 8, Paul says this. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Those are strong words. He said, this is where faith begins. This is where true religion starts. You take care of your own family. You meet their needs. And and if you don't do that, then, then you're worse off than an unbeliever. You're worse off because you you presume to have a living faith. But it's not demonstrated in, in the closest relationships that God has given you, your own family. And so he says you're worse off than even an unbeliever. The word is communicating to us that it's important that we walk in truth. That we walk in accordance with God's word. In, in Mark chapter Chapter 7, you don't have to turn there, but Jesus in that chapter gives his strongest rebuke to the Pharisees. One of his strongest rebukes, and he gives it because they were overlooking the fifth commandment. You remember the fifth commandment? It's honor your father and mother. These Pharisees and religious leaders were doing this. Now, the law says honor your father and mother. The law says you ought to take care of your parents and your grandparents. But here's what they were doing. They were calling the finances that they had that were allotted to care for their family. They were calling it Corbin. That just meant this is set aside for the work of the Lord. And Jesus rebuked them so harshly. He said, you you call it Corbin. You say this is for the work of God. But he rebuked them because he said, your responsibility is not to set aside and say, oh, we're doing more important things. We're doing the work of God. He said, no, it starts. He said what Paul said. True religion starts with caring for your own family. Jesus could not have rebuked them or, or opposed that standard any higher or any more great than he did when he hung on the cross. And he's got the weight of the sin of the world on his shoulders. Your sin, my sin. And yet in that moment, from the cross, he saw his mother. And, and he goes to meet her needs in that moment. He wants to meet her needs in that very moment. That, that says something really important to us about where our faith intersects with our family. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Husbands, wives, submit to one another. Don't live out of submission with each other and then think that doesn't affect your relationship with Christ. Children, honor your parents. Repay your parents and your grandparents. Because Jesus has a word for us and it's that family is important. I want you to see something else in that verse in John chapter 19. It says Jesus saw his mother, but the next word is the word that I kept getting hung up on this week. It was the reality that verse 26 says Jesus saw his mother there. There. You know, I have a vivid imagination and pretty vivid memory, and I can remember growing up in the church we always did Easter productions every year. And, and some of you remember those. I, I can remember vividly watching the, the scene of the scourging of Jesus with the cat of nine tails. And I can remember watching Jesus walk up and down the aisles of the church with the cross beam on his shoulder. Now, I was a pastor's kid, so 
I knew the whip wasn't real. Because I knew where the prop room was. And I had hit my brothers with it earlier in the week. So I knew the blood was fake. But it still, it still struck me when that scene was played out. But when I think back to that, there was one, there was one scene we always did, mom, in the productions that always, it always cut to the heart. No matter how many times I saw it, it was, it was this scene that after Jesus had said his final words and he breathed his last breath and he died on the cross, they would, they would take him down off the cross and they would lay his body in the lap of his mother. And I can still remember that scene like it was last Easter, last week. And Sister Carol Byers, who's sitting right over here, she used to play the part of Mary in those productions when I was a kid. And she was sitting there cradling the lifeless head of her son and she would sing a song and she would say, Is this the boy I raised? Is this the son I knew? Is this the one I've loved. Why can't they love him too? I don't know if you still remember the words to that song. But even as a kid, it penetrated my heart. Something about the horror and the humanity of imagining Mary right there watching her son die. There's no greater pain that any parent could go through than to experience the death of their child. But to imagine seeing your child experience suffering and agony for six hours of intense pain and to slowly see his life ebb away can only be described as a sword piercing her soul. And that's exactly the way that it was described to Mary 33 and a half years earlier. When baby Jesus was only eight days old, the Bible says her and Joseph carried him in to the temple, as was the custom. He was there to be circumcised. And there was an old man named Simeon who loved the Lord and God had given him a prophetic word. You're not going to die until you see the Messiah. And on that day, the Holy Spirit jumped on the inside of Simeon when he saw this young couple carrying their newborn baby. He knew he was the son of God. And Simeon comes over and he holds the child and he begins to sing this incredible prophecy of praise and of significance that Jesus would have. But then he ends it with a strange statement. To Mary, he says, and a sword will pierce your own soul. And we go back to the cross and Mary is right there. And this prophetic word is coming to reality as a sword is piercing her own soul. She's cut to the heart as she's watching her son die on the cross. And what's amazing to me in this moment is that Jesus not only sees her need, But he does something about it. Even from a place of weakness, from a place of limitation, he can go nowhere. He's dying on the cross. Jesus does something to meet her need. That ought to encourage us today in the heart of God. To know that if Jesus can meet the needs of his mom while he's hanging on the cross, how much more ready and able is he to meet our needs today? Now, somebody might push back and go, well, yeah, but wait a minute, that was his mom. I mean, he went out of his way because that's his, his mother. 
But I want to tell you today, and I can back this up scripturally, God is as concerned about your needs today as a follower of Christ as he was about his own family. In fact, there was a time in scripture where the Bible says that Jesus was teaching and the crowd was so uh, heavy in the room that his mother and his brothers had come to see him. And somebody told him, they said, Jesus, your mother and your brothers are outside. They want to see you. And in that moment, Jesus responds to them. This is Luke chapter 8, verse 21. He replied to them, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. Now, if you just read that verse out of context, it might sound like Jesus actually doesn't care about his family. And that it was all about the ministry and he didn't worry about them. But listen, you got to understand, Jesus was not depreciating his family in that moment. He was using an extreme analogy to communicate. He wasn't depreciating family. He was exalting obedience. And what Jesus was saying in that moment is that if you follow me, if you hear my word and obey my commands, you have as much access to my presence as my family does. They can come to me anytime. They have access because we're blood. But if you follow me, if you keep my commandments, you have as much access to my presence as they have. And I want to tell you, if Jesus from the cross can, can do a work to restore and make a relationship with his mother right, how much more able is he today to meet your needs now that he sits exalted at the right hand of God in heaven? This is a word of love, and it's not just a word of love to his mother, it's a word of love to us today. Jesus saw his mother, and he sees you. It's important that we take responsibility for our family. But it's also important that we understand today that Jesus calls us family. If we follow him, if we obey him. And he wants to meet our needs. There's another person in this story that Jesus talks to. And I want us to look for the final few moments at this man. Again, in John chapter 19, verse 26, the latter part, says, when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved. That's, that's how we know who this guy is. The disciple whom Jesus loved. Doesn't say his name. He's just the one that he loved. It's an interesting phrase that he would write that because we know Jesus loved all of his disciples. But it's also interesting that of all the gospel writers, John is the only one that hears this word and writes this word down. Out of all the seven statements Jesus made from the cross. John's the only one that writes this down. And the reason he's the one that wrote it down is because John is the disciple whom Jesus loved. He's the one that gets the responsibility of taking care of Mary. Of all the 12 disciples that Jesus selected to be apostles, John is the only one that is seen at the foot of the cross. And John was at the cross because Jesus loved him. But John's faithfulness wasn't always so clear. In fact, I want you to back up in your mind's eye with me to the previous 12 hours. Because I think there's something for us today in this conversation that Jesus has with the disciple that he loves. 
just the night before, Jesus had gathered with his disciples at the Last Supper. They're there at the Last Supper, sharing this meal together. And Jesus told the disciples, he said, this very night, you're all going to abandon me. You're going to betray me. And Peter, of course, he's always the, the spokesman in the group. He says, surely not, Lord. It's not going to happen. I'll never, I'll never betray you. And Jesus says, Peter, even uh, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning at sunrise, three times you're going to deny that you even know me. And Peter responds back, no way. Even if I have to die, I will not deny you. And, and the spotlight is on Peter in this moment, but I want you to see this verse. It's Matthew 26, and it's verse 35. I want you to see the end of the verse after it says Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same thing. There's John. He's making a promise that he can't keep. And then they go from there into the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus calls his disciples into a season of prayer He says, I I need you to pray with me. In fact, his words were, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of sorrow. Jesus was so grief stricken with and so full of stress, anticipating the cross that he experienced a medical condition called hematidrosis to where the capillaries that were near his sweat glands began to rupture from the stress he was under. And he literally began to sweat drops of blood. It was in this moment he said, I need you to watch and pray. But three times that night, Jesus came back and what did he find? His disciples were sleeping. So here we are, just a few hours from the cross, and there's John. He's sleeping when he should have been Seeking. The third time that Jesus wakes him up, it's to say, my betrayer has come. And Judas comes in and there's the the flashing of torches and, and swords. And Judas comes and he gives Jesus that kiss of betrayal. And the Bible says shortly after that, and all of the disciples deserted him. There goes John. He's running away when the going got tough. And yet, here we are, sometime between 9 a.m. and 12 noon. Jesus is on the cross, dying for the sins of the world, and the Bible says John was near. He was nearer than most. He was close. Why? What would compel him to come back after the night he had just had? Only one thing. Love. John knew, he knew that Jesus loved him. You know, there's nowhere in scripture that says that John was Jesus' favorite. He just felt like he was. That's the way I kind of felt growing up. He just knew in his heart, Jesus loves me. He loves me. And because of that, he loved Jesus so much. And the scripture says, And the disciple, and to the disciple, John 19, 27. Here is your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. 
What an incredible responsibility. Listen, there's a message in this for you if you're listening today. The message is simply this, that when Jesus came, or when John came to Jesus, rather, the message is in what he didn't say as much as it is in what he did say. He didn't say, John, why'd you make a promise and then go and break it? He didn't look down at John and say, John, why were you sleeping when you should have been seeking God? He didn't look down at John that morning hanging from the cross and say, John, why did you abandon me in the most difficult seasons? We don't hear any of those things. What we see is love. And Jesus not only loves him, but he gives him an incredible responsibility. He says, John, here's your mother. Here's your mother. He wanted John to take care of his mom in his absence. I'm going to tell you what that means for you and me today. It means you have one question to answer. Just one. And the question is this. Do you love him? Do you love him? Because if you love him, don't let anything keep you from coming to the cross. If you love him, maybe you're the one that, that, you know, you made promises to God and you've broken them. But if you love him, come to the cross anyway. Maybe you're the one that you, you know in your personal life, you should have been seeking God. You should have been praying more. You should have been going after God. You weren't seeking, you were sleeping. But if you love him, come anyway. Come to the cross. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know, I, I've, I've quit on God. I've abandoned God. I, I gave up when the going got tough. But hey, if you love him, come anyway. Don't let anything, don't let any failure from yesterday keep you from coming to the cross today. Because Jesus from the cross is speaking a word of love. He's speaking a word of love to you. It's not a, it's not a, a word of failure. It's not a word of condemnation. It's not a word about your past. It's a word of love. And who knows, you may come to the cross today and find that Jesus has a special assignment for your life. He's got something he wants you to do that's so incredibly important. You would never feel like you're qualified for the task. But come anyway. Come anyway. It's a word of love. One final thing I want to share with you about this conversation that takes place at the cross. And it's a powerful truth that all of us need to hear today. And it's that this statement illustrates how blessed we are to be a part of the body of Christ. You know, Jesus had younger brothers. Jesus was born of a virgin, but Mary and Joseph had kids, sons and daughters, after he was born. And traditionally, the custom would be that his brothers would take care of Mary. We presume that Joseph is long deceased, but tradition says that his brothers would take care of his mother after he's gone. But for some reason, Jesus says to the disciple that he loved, take care of her. And the Bible says from this time on, some theologians believe it was at least another 11 years. From this time on, Mary lived with John. He took care of her. I just want to tell you, as you imagine this moment, this is what the church is all about. Even before he died, even before the church was established, Jesus was already forming a family. 
Jesus is looking at two people that are not mother and son. And he says, now this is your mother. And now this, this is your son. The Bible says in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28 that Christ purchased the church of God with his own blood. What that means is that Jesus doesn't just rescue you out of sin. He restores you into a family. The church. He puts you in a family. I'm going to tell you, this is a great word for somebody today. Because you might be here and and you feel lonely. You might be here and, and maybe you're a mother that needs a son. Listen, to be a part of the church is to be a part of the family of God. Hear this word today. There are some women that need some spiritual sons to step up. There, there are some kids. There are some teens. There are some young adults in this church that need a spiritual mother and a spiritual father. You may or may not have had biological children, but you're called to be the family of God. And and I believe the Spirit wants to tap some of you on the shoulder today and say to you, this is your son. He may want you to, in the Spirit, adopt somebody today that God has put on your heart. There are some lonely people in this church today that God has tried to use you to be a brother or a sister in Christ. This is the way the kingdom of God works. The Bible says in Psalm 68 and verse 6 that God sets the lonely in families. That's His heart. For us today, that we would recognize this word of love from the cross is that Jesus is forming a family. He's forming a family and he wants to form it through through you and through me. That the church is not now and never has been about me. We can't come with that attitude. It's not about you. God wants us to open our eyes to see the needs all around us. I wish I had more time to just drill deeper on this point. But hear my heart. There are some seniors in this church. that maybe you feel like, boy, as the church grows and as we move forward, you sense the baton being pulled out of your hand. And it, it might even feel like the church is running away. The songs are different. The style is different. We're moving in a different direction. Listen, Jesus is looking at you today saying, Mother, here are your sons. Father, here are your sons. Don't forsake them now. We need you more than we've ever needed you before. He's forming a family. This is the word of love. At the conclusion of this service, we're going to open these altars. And I want to invite the praise team if you would come back. And in just a moment, they're going to sing a song. As I prayed for you today, and I prayed for this moment today, I just want to open these altars at the conclusion of this service. To give you an opportunity to not just come to God, but to come near to God's people. Coming to the altar is powerful. But coming to the altar with others is even better. And maybe you're here today. And the word that God has spoken to you from the cross is that God is calling you to a fresh commitment to your family. This may be very personal for you. Maybe for your marriage or for your children. For your parents or your grandparents or a brother or a sister. And and, and you kind of, you're doing your thing in this lane and then they've got this thing over there going in their lane. And the Holy Spirit's trying to kind of bring the two together in your heart today. To recognize how significant and how important Jesus sees the family. Maybe today you're you're here and, and you're hurting. And the word that you needed to hear today 
is that Jesus calls you family. And he wants to meet your need today. In the same way that he was trying to bring healing to his own mother in that moment of the cross. Jesus is not encumbered today. The Bible says he sits at the right hand of God, ever lives to make intercession for you. He desires to bring healing to your heart today. And maybe there are some of you here today. You feel like John. You've made promises you didn't keep. You were sleeping when you should have been seeking. You've been complacent and lethargic in your pursuit of God. Maybe you've even made promises to God and you've broken them and now you've turned away from God in the critical moment. Because life got tough, because things got hard, because you weren't sure how things were going to play out. Listen, if that's you, come to the cross anyway. Because He loves you. That's all you need to know. He loves you. And here's what's going to happen. If you come, you're going to find forgiveness. And I do believe today that if you'll come, in spite of yesterday's failure, not only will you find forgiveness and grace, but God has a purpose and a plan for your life. He wants to speak that over you.